this is the multivoice text to speech podfic reading of, Give Me a Sign, by There's the Snitch, composed by Burning Aurora. Chapter 1 Looking for a Sign Remus's world was filled with color. His favorite color was trees. Some people would say that trees are green, but Remus knew that it was so much more than that. In spring, the trees are bright chartreuse that sparkles with new life and possibility, but it's also tinged with buttery yellow where the leaves were still young and spouting and light brown where the limbs nodded into branches and twigs and stems. Most people didn't see the world that way, but Remus couldn't see it any other. Perhaps it had something to do with the fact that he had never heard the sound of rain hitting the leaves in the middle of a summer storm, or the roll of thunder across the mountains, or maybe Remus just had a creative soul that needed to express itself with paint-coated fingers and smudges of chalk on his clothes as he created on canvas and paper what only he could see. The lack of sound in his life never seemed to matter when there was a paintbrush in his hand. He wondered if his soulmate would see the world the same way. Would they share his fascination with the way the dirt in his mother's garden bed changed from a rusty, tawny brown to deep umber when the water from the hose seeped across the soil? Or the way the water drops on the kelly green leaves of the tomato plants turned the creamy sunlight into an entire array of colors that danced across his skin? Or perhaps, they had found their own way to connect to a silent world. Whatever the answer, Remus knew he would be one step closer to knowing who they were tomorrow, on his seventeenth birthday. Would he already know the person who was his soulmate? Remus rolled over and pulled the covers up to his chin. He was finding sleep difficult, laying in his rough cotton sheets instead of the silky smooth sheets of his dorm room bed. He could blame the lack of sleep on that change, that his body was used to sleeping in his dorm room rather than at home. However, he knew the truth. He wasn't sleeping because he was too busy wondering what he would find when he looked at his arm tomorrow. Every person, on their seventeenth birthday, found the first words their soulmate would say to them imprinted on the inside of their left arm. Tonight was Remus's last night at sixteen years old, and tomorrow he would have his words. He had tried to stay up to see if the words magically appeared at midnight, but everyone knew that they only came in your sleep. Unfortunately, it was now half two in the morning, and sleep was a foreign concept. Remus's mum woke up on her seventeenth birthday to find the signs for Do You Want My Sausage printed on her arm, and she talked about being so entirely confused by what context that could happen in. His dad's mark was the signs for I've waited my whole life for someone to ask me that, and he always wondered what his question would be. Neither of them expected it to be at a festival when the last sausage roll was sold before his mum could buy one. It was one of Remus's favorite soulmate stories. His friends had been slowly coming of age, and he'd watched them all find messages on their arms. Mary had a message that said your skirt is tucked into your underwear, and she made sure she was wearing her cutest knickers every time she wore a skirt. Lily's message said you're so beautiful will you marry me? and Lily wasn't exactly sure what she was supposed to do with that. Benji had a message that said can I buy your condoms and lube, which had the unfortunate result of forcing him to come out to everyone. Remus ran his fingers over the clean skin of his arm. Still nothing, and he was desperate to know. It would change everything, wouldn't it? Anything it said, or didn't say, would change everything. What if there was nothing? 
It was rare, but it wasn't completely unheard of. What if the message was stupid, or embarrassing? What if it was some slur that would forever be imprinted on his skin? Remus lay back on his pillow, looking out the window in his bedroom, which was filled with inky darkness, a deep blue that was so dark it was practically black, but pricked with sharp white lights across the sky. His eyes landed on one particular star, the brightest one he could see. Remus focused on it, letting it take up his entire field of vision. It felt brighter, like the white-hot light was piercing inside of him, and somehow, that made him feel better. Safer, calmer. Less alone. Like maybe, somewhere out there, someone else was looking at that star and waiting for Remus, too. The lights flashed on and off in Remus's room, and it took him a moment to realize where he was. Spring holiday away from school always threw him off when he woke up in his own bed. It did, however, give Remus the benefit of spending his birthday at home. He opened his eyes to find his mother's arm stuck in through a crack in the door. She peeked through and, finding him awake, pushed it open wider. She waved both hands, smiling brightly at him. Happy birthday, Cricket. Have you looked yet? Remus's still-asleep brain took an extra beat to catch on to what she meant. No, no he had not checked. He had fallen asleep looking at the star, and he didn't even remember to check. Remus sat up, pulling his arm up to look before he'd even rubbed the sleep from his eyes. When he saw it, his stomach dropped. There, in black letters, were the words. Oi, mate. You dropped that. Letters. Words. Spoken words on the arm of a deaf boy. How was he supposed to meet his soulmate if he'd never actually hear the first words that were spoken to him? His mum waved her hands in the air, calling his attention back. She quickly signed. What is it? Her face was bright, expectant, an excited rosy blush on her cheeks, and Remus didn't know how to tell her. He just looked back down at the words on his arm, unable to think of anything else. She walked up to his bed and sat on the edge. She held out her hand, a question on her raised eyebrow, and Remus gave her his arm. He watched her face carefully, her eyes dragged across the words, her brow briefly furrowed and her lips turned down, then her eyebrows shot up as she realized what it meant. She met Remus's eyes again, her own wide with surprise. I'm sure it will be fine. She signs. How? Remus signs back, hoping she has an answer. How could it possibly be okay? They're still your soulmate, love. She ran her fingers through his hair. How will I even meet them? He looked at his arms again, running a finger over the words again. Do you even know anyone who has married a hearing person? I don't. It doesn't happen. She didn't have an answer, though. She just held her arms wide, and let Remus fold himself in against her chest. Remus sat down to breakfast with his parents on the last morning before heading back to school. They'd celebrated his birthday, but no one mentioned the words on his arm again. He didn't really blame them. It felt a bit like Remus was losing his one chance at love, and how were his parents supposed to comfort him about that? Regardless, Remus couldn't stop thinking about it. He waved his hand, getting his parents' attention. I've been thinking. I want to see a doctor. His mum's face immediately creased in concern.
Are you all right, Cricket? Do you feel sick? Remus shook his head. No. For audiology. I want to see if they can make me hear. They look at him blankly. His dad cleared his throat, scratching his beard uncomfortably before signing. Is this about your soulmate, Mark? Of course it is. Remus signed back. You don't have to do that. His mum signed. You don't have to change who you are because of this. I'm not trying to change who I am. Remus shook his head, pleading with them. He knew this was going to be a battle when he brought it up. How do I meet my soulmate if I can't hear? What? You get some words written on your arm, and you decide to abandon our community? His dad scoffed. I'm not abandoning anyone. Aren't you? His dad stood up, pacing like he was unable to sit any longer. We're deaf, Remus. All of our friends are deaf. All of your friends are deaf. Benji's not totally deaf. Remus signed with a bright smile. He can hear. His dad rolled his eyes. Benji barely hears, and he is part of our community. He signs, and his soulmate does too, based on the signs in his soulmate mark, right? Well, I don't have signs, do I? Remus ran a hand over his face, frustrated. I have spoken words, and I want to know if there's a chance I can hear my soulmate speak them. That's all I'm asking. His dad stopped, staring at him coldly. You're deaf, the way I raised you. I never expected my son to turn his back on that. He walked out of the room without giving Remus a chance to respond. Remus sat staring at the empty doorway until his mum slid her hand down his arm, holding his hand for a moment before signing. He didn't mean it, Cricket. He sounded like he meant it. Remus crossed his arms over his chest when he finished signing. She looked at him kindly. He just doesn't like forced hearing. You know he was forced to try hearing aids when he was a kid. Remus sighed. I'm not him, Mum. I want to see the doctor. I'll talk to him. I promise. Remus flew back to school before really getting an answer from his parents. His dad gave him a cursory hug before he left, and his mum gave him a much bigger hug. It was fine. He knew that what he was asking would cause some hard feelings, and he was, mostly, prepared for their reactions. Remus wrote out the address for Bo Battens and tossed it into the fireplace with the flu powder. The fire roared a brilliant emerald green, and he stepped through to the hall d'entrée of the castle, where all of the fireplaces were lined up as students arrived back from the holiday. Most students moved on quickly to other parts of the castle, but Remus was greeted with a fluttering of applause. Marlene dropped her hands to sign. There's the birthday boy. You've been ignoring our letters. Benji walked up next. If you wanted to build suspense, then you succeeded. Marlene picked up before Remus could respond. Pretty rude to make us wait to find out what your mark is. Remus held up both of his hands to stop them, hoping to get a word in, but Lily made quick work and grabbed his arm, pushing up the sleeve of his sweater before he could make a protest. She read the words before he could snatch his arm back and hold it against his chest. He didn't miss the way her face fell. Right, well, that's that then. Should we go to dinner? Remus pushed past them, pulling his sleeve down as he walked out of the room. Marlene grabbed his shoulder and turned him back to face her, quickly signing. What does it say? Nothing. Remus tried to turn away again, but Lily caught his arm. It's not that bad. Lily tried to grab for his arm again, 
but Remus held it back. Really, it'll be fine. It can't be worse than condoms and lube, Benji signed with a smile. I don't think I've heard of a worse soulmate mark than that. Come on, Remus. Tell us and let us help you. Marlene grabbed his hand, and when he did not resist further, pushed up his sleeve to his elbow. They looked at his arm for so long that he finally pulled it back and hit it with his sleeve again. No one said anything. Remus sighed. Well, now you know. So your soulmate is hearing. Lily shrugged. That's not really a big deal. Not a big deal. Remus scoffed. Not a big deal? How many people do you know who married hearing? How will I even meet them? I'm sure you'll still meet them. Marlene tried to smile, though Remus could still see the way her smile shook. People do it all the time. Maybe they recognize you first. Don't bother. She's right, Remus. Lily ran a hand down his arm before she continued. You'll still find your soulmate. I don't think. Don't give up. Benji smiled at him. Even if you don't hear it, they'll have your words, too. What if they just don't have it on their arm at all? What if I say nothing back because I didn't hear them and they just never know it's me? Remus shook his head, stretching his fingers out and trying to stop the trembling. There are so many ways this can go wrong. There are a lot of ways this could go right. Lily shrugged. Don't give up hope yet. Remus rolled his eyes, but couldn't stop the smile that spread. Fine, but I reserve the right to say I told you so. Lily shook her head. Fine. You can be a grumpy old man after you don't find him. It won't change much from how you are now. She pinched his jumper between her fingers, lifting slightly. Come on. Let's go get you unpacked. Marlene pulled him toward their dorm. For the most part, no one mentioned his mark again over the next few weeks. People eventually figured out that he didn't want to talk about it, and they let him shy away from the subject. Instead, Remus continued going to class in his bird's egg blue uniform, using his inky black quill to scratch notes on his smooth ivory paper, and sitting in the common room in the evening sipping amber-orange colored tea while reading red leather-bound books filled with silky antiqued pages. The colors never left his world, and perhaps that would be enough. It was three weeks after he returned to school that a large, brown barn owl, Tilluan, dropped off a letter from his parents. She sat on his shoulder, nibbling at his toast in La Grande Salle as he pulled the taupe twine to release the letter. Tilluan nipped his fingers affectionately before taking off again. Remus unfurled the letter, finding his mother's writing in neat blue ink on the page. Cricket, I talked to your dad and we have scheduled some appointments for you. The first is at St. Mungo's, and the second is with a doctor that a friend of mine recommended. The appointments are only to discuss what options are available, and your father and I ask that you come home and discuss it with us before you choose to do anything. We love you very much, darling, and I hope you have a good remainder of term. Mum. Remus was surprised, honestly, to receive the letter. He'd thought his father would fight it more, and he'd have to pull the I'm an adult and you can't stop me card in order to go. He could agree to their terms, of course. He just wanted to know what the options were. Marlene tapped the table in front of his plate with her finger, and when he looked up, she signed. What's that? A letter from my mum. Remus folded it neatly and put the letter inside the pocket of his robes. They scheduled some medical appointments for me. 
For what? Lily asked as she reached for the orange juice. Remus bit his lip. For hearing. The three of them looked at him blankly before Benji signed. You want to change your hearing? Maybe. Remus signed, then shrugged. I want to know what my options are, anyway. Why do you need options? Marlene asked, the speed of her hands betraying her feelings. You're fine as you are. It's not a big deal. Remus grabbed an orange from the table. I may not do anything anyway. I just want to ask. Why, though? Lily's head tilted as she asked, though not unkindly. You've always been against it before. Yes, well I've never had a hearing soulmate before. Remus patted his covered arm as he said it, then looked away from them. Can we drop it? It doesn't mean anything. No one interrupted his breakfast again. It was not the last time he would hear about it, but he was sure of his choice. Remus didn't register much past the words. You're not a candidate for the procedure. From the doctor with the starched white coat, charcoal trousers, and shiny ebony black shoes. Remus focused instead on the yellow mustard stain on the collar of his white shirt as he told Remus about how his ears were so fucked up that the procedure wouldn't work. He'd gotten more or less the same response from the healer at St. Mungo's. Remus had never believed that not having hearing made him broken until he tried to fix himself and found himself wanting. It's a stupid and foolish train of thought. If any of his friends said something about themselves that way, he would show up with a ten-point presentation on why hearing is not a requirement to be a whole and happy person and how no part of them was broken or less than just because of what some stupid doctor said about them. And yet, Remus felt his soulmate on the line and slipping away all because he would never be able to hear their first words. It left him feeling broken. The doctor clapped once, the sudden movement drawing Remus's eyes. The doctor shrugged. Do you have any questions I can answer? Remus looked up from the man's mustard stain to look into his mossy green eyes and shook his head. There were no questions that could give him what he wanted. Not anymore. Remus made his way home, dreading the way he knew his parents were waiting for the details from his appointment. He hesitated outside the door before opening it carefully. Perhaps he could sneak past his parents without alerting them that he was home and... And they met him in the entryway as he closed the door. Remus sighed. So much for sneaking away. His mum was wringing her hands as he turned around to look at them after slipping off his trainers and leaving them on the mat by the door. She began signing immediately. Well, how did it go? Fine. I'm not doing it. He tried to push past them to the stairs, but his dad caught his arm and turned him back. What do you mean? His dad signed. Why are you not doing it? Do you care? Remus signed back. You didn't want me to do it anyway. Cricket, stop it. His mom stepped forward, trying to put herself between the two of them the way she always did. What happened? Why aren't you doing it? Because I can't do it. There's nothing salvageable. Remus was shaking, with anger or frustration, and he couldn't stop the rest of it from coming out. I'm too broken to be fixed. Hey, you are not broken. His mum signed quickly. Did the doctor tell you that? No. I told me that. Because it's true. Remus regretted it already, but he wasn't about to back down from this fight with his dad. I'm broken and it's going to cost me everything. 
Remus, that's not. His dad began, but Remus cut him off with a quick slash through the air. You got what you wanted, dad. Just drop it. Remus turned and walked up the stairs, ignoring whatever response might have followed. He expected the flashing lights and the dip on his bed when he didn't acknowledge his mother walking in. What he didn't expect was to turn over and find his dad there instead. Can we talk, Remus? Remus sat up on his bed, leaning against the headboard with his knees pulled to his chest. He laid his head across his knees and shrugged. I'm sorry about how it went today. Remus rolled his eyes. His dad waved his hand, then signed. No, I mean it. I am sorry you didn't get a better answer. I know you were hoping for it. Remus didn't say anything. If he was willing to admit it, he'd say that he wasn't sure what he had been hoping for. He wasn't willing to admit it. His dad looked away for a moment before he went on. I know I didn't react well when you first brought it up. I'm sorry for that. It's my own personal issue with forced hearing, and I never wanted you to think I didn't support you. Remus stayed quiet. He wasn't sure where this conversation was going. His dad went on without prompting. I know you're worried about meeting your soulmate, but that doesn't mean that your life will be without love. Remus noticed that his dad didn't try to placate him that they would still meet one day. He appreciated his dad's cold realism, without the empty optimism that everyone else tried to push on him. Remus rubbed his face across his knees and lifted his head. He didn't answer, but he made eye contact with his dad, listening closely. Your Aunt Beatrice didn't end up with her soulmate. Did you know that? Remus shook his head. She met him when they were in their twenties. He was part of this new age group that didn't believe in soulmates. They thought that we were all forcing ourselves to love people merely because of our marks rather than establishing real connections. His dad paused, running a hand over his face. As soon as she met him, he shunned her. What happened to her? Remus asked. She sought out a support group of people who didn't end up with their soulmate. She eventually married a man in a similar position, and when her soulmate sought her out again years later, she told him that he was a stranger to her. Remus felt his face crease in confusion. I had no idea. I know. Aunt Beatrice and Uncle Fletcher let people think they are soulmates. It's easier than trying to explain. He rubbed his hands together, letting the information sink in. I don't want you to think you will forever be alone if you can't find your soulmate, or if they don't choose you. There are other ways to find a happy life. Just keep it in mind. Remus nodded. Thanks, Dad. I'll keep it in mind. He watched his dad stand up and walk out of the room, closing it carefully behind him. Remus laid down again, staring at the sky through his open window. He wanted to believe his dad, that love was out there for him somewhere, even if his soulmate didn't work out. It was hard to grasp, though, when he felt like he was losing everything. He searched the sky, hoping to find the star that had been a comfort only a few months ago. Brightest star in the night sky. Except, it seemed the heavens had abandoned him too. His star was nowhere to be seen. Remus moved to a flat in London after he finished his magical education. He toyed around with different jobs for a while, a clerk at a bookstore, an appraiser at a magical artifact shop, animal care tech at the Magizoologist, but finally settled into a non-profit that advocated for the rights of disabled and disenfranchised magical children. He played many roles in the organization, from organizer to bookkeeper, 
but his favorite was spending the day in the childcare center with all the kids who were too young for Hogwarts or Bow Battens. Remus enjoyed his work. It was fulfilling, and he could see the difference he was making on a daily basis. It allowed him to forget the way his life was bleak when he went home. Sure, he still had contact with his friends, most of whom had also moved to London after graduation, and he saw his parents frequently. He would go to community events with London's incredibly active deaf Wixen community. Yet at the end of the day, he went home to his empty flat, made dinner for one, and laid alone in his bed until he was finally able to fall asleep. It was fine. He was fine. It was a life he could accept. It was a life he didn't want. Remus visited his Aunt Beatrice and Uncle Fletcher, apparating out to their small cottage in the Scottish Highlands. They were unsurprised to see him, apparently his dad told them to expect him and they gave him contact information for the group they'd been part of before they met. It was a group of Wicks who called themselves a support group. For a long time, he didn't call them. It felt like another step toward admitting defeat. He didn't have a solution for his hearing soulmate problem, but that didn't mean a solution didn't exist. If he went, when he went, it felt like he was sacrificing that last bit of hope. Remus initially found a wizard, about his age, who greeted him with. It isn't true that my mattress is made of candy floss. Remus stared at the man, certain that he'd read his lips wrong, but the man laughed. I must not be your soulmate, then. He held up his left arm, cut off at the elbow. It turned out the man, Peter, had lost his hand in some sort of potions incident. He was very vague about the circumstances. Peter had a mechanical hand that some half-muggle man convinced him to try, but it was buggy around magic. He'd lost his arm before he learned what his soulmate would say to him, and decided on the weird phrase so that his soulmate would have no question it was him when they finally met. He met a pair of married witches, Lavender and Parvati, who chose to spend their lives together despite the fact that they were not soulmates and had not yet met their soulmates. They were a bit skittish about the reason why, and avoided telling Remus why they were in the group, or why they were together, until his sixth visit to the group. He supposed that if his arm read something like, Keep quiet and I won't have to kill you and don't scream or I'll slit your throat. He'd probably look for someone else too. There was a woman, Cho, who met her soulmate and was blissfully happy with him for two months. He died tragically, the bystander witnessed to a crime. After she lost him, Cho said she lost herself a bit. Nothing about having a connection to your soulmate promised that you'd have forever with them, and after she lost hers, she didn't know what there was left for her. No one prepared you for that possibility. Remus asked her on a date after he found out that she knew some sign language, and for six weeks, they shared casual dates and casual sex. It ended abruptly one evening, when he was naked in her bed, sharing a post-shag cigarette, and she finally asked him why his soulmate had rejected him. Was it your ears? She asked, flicking his earlobe. To say that she was angry when Remus told her that he hadn't yet met his soulmate would be an understatement. He tried to explain how he was unlikely to meet his soulmate, but that only made her cry. He held her while she sobbed into his shoulder that she thought he understood her pain but that he was clearly just another liar. 
He carefully avoided the next few group meetings, and stayed clear out of her way when he decided to return to the group. Cho ignored him, but otherwise treated Remus as though nothing had happened between them. That was honestly fine with him. He was asked out by a man named Sev who claimed his soulmate married someone else, but something seemed off about his story. Remus never agreed to the date, which he was thankful of when he found out that Sev was not her soulmate. Remus had never heard of non-reciprocal soulmates, but no one had any idea if Sev actually had a soulmate mark that linked to her. Remus wanted no part of that mess. Remus went on a few dates with a nice lady named Arabella, and found out that she had no soulmate mark at all. They'd never really hit it off, but they were both lonely and found their way together when the feeling became overbearing. He saw Lily often, continued working for the non-profit, and continued to go home alone. Regardless, he felt like he was waiting for something. When he was at his loneliest, he sat by the window and looked for the brightest star in the sky, hoping that perhaps it could bring him something new. Remus left work after one particularly difficult day, frustrated and tired. He walked the six blocks through the London streets back to the building his flat was in, trying to decide what he could have for dinner. His kitchen was mostly empty. He'd been avoiding the grocery store because it sounded like a pain, but he really shouldn't get takeout again. He was pretty sure he still had a can of beans tucked away in the little corner cabinet, and his bread might still be good. If it wasn't, he had some frozen waffles in his freezer, and they wouldn't really be the same but they would suffice. Remus reached into his pocket to pull out his keys to open the front door of his building, and a few cards dropped out. Business cards, which his boss had handed him on the way out the door, of people who might be interested in services at the center. He shoved them back in his pocket, and slipped his key into the lock. He was just about to open the door when a hand grabbed his shoulder and spun him around. He turned around and just managed to lip-read the last words the man said. Calling you, didn't you hear? Remus rolled his eyes, then mouthed and signed. I'm deaf, asshole. He expected the man to look confused or angry, but he definitely did not expect the man to break out into a giant smile. He raised his hands and signed. I learned to sign for you. Remus was baffled. Why would you do that? The man raised his arm and pulled back his sleeve, where Remus saw the signs for I'm deaf, arsehole tattooed into his skin. Remus stared at it for a long time, unable to make sense of the fact that his words, his signs were on this man's arm. Remus looked into the man's eyes and froze again. He was standing close to Remus, probably closer than was really appropriate for a stranger on the street, but Remus couldn't look away from his eyes. They were a bright gray, almost blue, and they were shining so brightly that Remus wondered if he had literal starlight in his eyes. For a moment, Remus flashed back to all the times he sat staring up at his star, hoping his soulmate could see it too. The man waited patiently, smiling. Remus shook his head, trying to clear his thoughts. He signed. I'm sorry, who are you? S, I, R, I, U, S. The man spelled the letters out slowly. I think I'm your soulmate. What was the first thing you said to me? Remus signed fast, instantly regretting it. If this man Sirius could hear, he probably couldn't keep up with signing at that speed. However, 
Sirius just smiled and signed back. I think it was. Oi, mate. You dropped this. Remus pulled up his sleeve, where the words were neatly printed. Oi, mate. You dropped that. Sirius laughed, signing. I was close. Yeah, that's what I said. Oh. What were you supposed to say to your soulmate when you meet them for the first time? There should be a handbook for this. It's nice to meet you. Sirius laughed, throwing his full head back, and Remus caught the way his Adam's apple bobbed as he did. What's your name? R.E. Another man walked up, talking before he reached them, and Remus only just managed to catch the end of what he said. Doing? I didn't even realize you stopped. Sirius looked at Remus and smiled. He signed as he spoke to James, which made Remus's heart warm. James, I just met this man, and he's my soulmate. James turned to Remus, hands raised and waving next to his face in applause. Can I hug you? He signed, but before Remus could respond, James had wrapped him in a hug. Remus found himself pressed into James's shoulder, and he could tell the man was talking based on the vibrations in his chest. Remus put both his hands on James's chest and pushed. James let go of him almost immediately. James smiled at him, but Remus humphed. Don't do that. I can't read lips when I can't see. James looked crestfallen and signed back. I'm sorry, I didn't think of that. I just asked Sirius what your name was. Sirius signed. Ah, E. Was all I got before you interrupted us. He looked at Remus. I assume that's not your whole name? No, it's Remus. Remus spelled it out, and then offered his name sign. Remus. Sirius said as he used his name sign. And I'm James. James signed again. If you're wondering. Remus couldn't help but smile at the man's antics. Thanks, I caught that. Would you like to get dinner with me sometime? Sirius asked. I'll ditch my brother and come alone, I promise. Remus laughed at that. I would like that. He was surprised to find out it was the truth. Maybe Friday? Friday is perfect. Sirius pulled out his phone and handed it to Remus. Give me your number. Remus added a new contact and typed it in. When he was done, he sent himself a message and handed back the phone. Sirius looked down at it and smiled. I'll call you. He signed as he turned to go. No. Remus signed with a smile. Text only. Sirius laughed. Right. I'll text you. He winked at Remus and turned away. Remus watched him walk away until he turned the corner. He turned back to his building, opened the door and walked in, his phone already in his hand. He shot a quick text at Lily. So, I think I just met my soulmate. Call me immediately.